0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: happy friday everybody welcome to the michael cutler hour i am your host michael cutler it is friday it is april the 3rd 2020 and boy oh boy who could ever have imagined that we would find ourselves in this position a pandemic the world and killing and
0: um making sick so many people it's absolutely incredible and um and we have to soldier on. You know, We've lived through tough times before, but I'm confident that we will survive, but there will be casualties. Um, it's a terrible situation, but it's a reminder of just how frail the human species is, and believe me, we are frail. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting a gentleman in the name of Carl Sagan many years ago when I was an inspector at Kennedy International Airport. To those of you not familiar with the name Carl Sagan, he was a professor of astrophysics at Cornell University in uh, upstate New York. He was also the force behind the voyage of space probes that sailed from the Earth out past Pluto, out into uh, rapidly approaching interstellar space, and we're still receiving its signals, incredibly amazing knowledge. And what's so interesting about it is the fact that... um, Hang on one second, folks. Um, and what's so incredible about this is, is that Carl Sagan had the Voyager spacecraft turn around and take photographs of the Earth <clears throat> from the, roughly the orbit of Saturn. And we've seen it with the Cassini space probe. And what he wrote about in this book, A Pale Blue Dot was that looking back at the Earth, because they were trying to take a picture of all of the inner planets of the solar system, the view that an alien spacecraft would have if it was to come into our solar system, the Earth showed up as less than a pixel. It was a tiny blue dot less than a pixel. And as it turned out, because of the... $2.2 and they're looking for yet another bill. we got to make sure that they're not misspending it, right, on the Kennedy Center, on the illegal aliens. Those are the measures they put into the bill. Why in the world are we funding illegal immigration to encourage more of it when we realize that the United States doesn't have the resources to care for its own people and the lawful immigrants and people who are supposed to be here? This catastrophe has made me think about the Titanic. Those of you uh, maybe are familiar with the sinking of what was supposed to be the unsinkable British ship, the Titanic. It hit an iceberg on its maiden voyage and wound up in the bottom of the ocean. And lots of people died.
1: And do you know why lots of people died? In part, besides the obvious, they hit an iceberg. They didn't have enough lifeboats. The concern was that if they had too many lifeboats on the Titanic, it would clutter up the deck. And God only knows that would interfere with the pleasure of the trip. So casting caution and common sense to the wind, they made sure that they only had enough lifeboats for roughly half the passengers. Lots of luck. Our hospitals today are our lifeboats. Our EMTs, our doctors, our nurses, ventilators, they are our lifeboats. And we don't have enough. Now, how did that happen? Well, the left wants to blame President Trump. He didn't do it. Look what he did. We went to him. He doesn't have it. Where's the stockpile? Stop. Stop. We've also been told that he didn't react fast enough. Stop. You know, these statements, they're very dangerous and inflammatory statements by the media and the politicians, are inflammatory and they're wrong and they're lies. And it's a page, I hate to make the comparison, out of the playbook of the Third Reich, to tell the big lie and keep repeating the lie, and pretty soon the public is conned into believing the lies are the truth. The big lie. Goebbels was very good at it. 1984, we saw the same thing. George Orwell, I keep saying it, and I'll say it again. Please, if you have not read 1984 or haven't read it recently, please go ahead and get a copy of it. You can get it online. Most of us have lots of time on our hands, certainly enough time to read George Orwell's book, because in it, Orwell made it clear that if you use false language, you can control thought through the use of words. Eliminate words, you eliminate the thoughts the words represent. That's the game. Let's get the record straight. It was President Trump who said, we're going to stop people coming to the United States from
0: China because we know there's an outbreak of a dangerous disease. He did that within about 10 days of realizing what was going on. We could have known much sooner that China lied to the world and the World Health Organization. Second, that everything China does, in fact, is still praising the efforts of China, the World Health Organization, another corrupt organization. When I was a kid, I went to visit the UN. I'm a New Yorker, and I thought, wow, what a great building, a place where – countries to work out their differences so we can have world peace. It has become a corrupt organization. I'm sure Doug had the shoulders rolling in his grave, and, and then what this thing has become? <clears throat> China didn't tell us the truth. In fact, they're still trying, at least some people in that government are still trying to blame U.S. Army members and U.S. soldiers for bringing the virus to China. Unbelievable. We know that it originated in China. It's believed in Hunan province, and we'll talk more about Hunan province and where all the laboratories are. And and unlike some folks, I'm not uh, really uh, of, of a strong opinion that this was done purposely. I mean, China's suffering terribly, everyone's suffering terribly. Now, whether or not this virus came out of the lab, God only knows, but you should know, and we will talk about this further on because this goes through an article that I just wrote for Front Page Magazine that a professor of, in fact, the chairman of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard University, of all places, was arrested by the FBI, and he was charged with working with the Chinese with conspiracy, conspiring, conspiring, I can't even get the words out, with the Chinese government on scientific research. We have a very serious problem today with universities taking money from China, from Russia, from Saudi Arabia, from possibly Iran, uh, and we're talking billions of dollars. Well, what are they buying? They're buying propaganda. In addition to access for their students, they're controlling curriculum, they're controlling the faculty. Um, it's a big problem. But the point of the matter is it was President Trump who immediately said, you know, we've got a problem. Let's block the entry aliens into the United States to make certain that people with the disease don't come into the country and make us all sick. He invoked the same section of standing immigration law that he used when uh, he implemented what the media
1: falsely called a travel ban. And because, frankly, I think he's inept in his use of language, he came to call it a travel ban. It wasn't. It was an entry restriction. You know what a travel ban is, folks? We now are living in an era of a travel ban. Don't leave your house unnecessarily. Don't drive unnecessarily. Shutting down airplanes, shutting down – that's a travel ban. That wasn't what the President did when he first took office. The concern was aliens coming into the country who could not be screened and coming from countries that sponsor terrorism. And the Democrats actually had a bill that they were going to put forward called the No Ban Act concerning the President's bigotry against non-immigrants. well, non-immigrants they had they made this fancy little acronym and they used the word non-immigrant rather than aliens or, or whatever. So I guess it's okay to discriminate against immigrants but the president wasn't discriminating. I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2013, and Chris Coons, the senator from uh, Pennsylvania, was acting as the chairman of the, uh, sub, of, of the uh, House Judiciary, Senate Judiciary Committee at the time because um, there was a shortage of members of Congress. They were running around going from hearing to hearing. It, it really can be a three-ring circus in Washington senator chuck grassley invited me to testify at that hearing so you should know that the republic the democrats who were there did not ask me any questions and there were precious few republicans so i went there there was a lot of discussion about immigration law enforcement i was one of four witnesses the only one who was actually been an agent who actually had real world experience in enforcement but i was never asked any questions remarkable I approached Senator Coons afterwards and said, this is ridiculous. You were asking questions that I could easily have answered. Why didn't you ask me? Well, my supposition, folks, is the last thing they wanted was for an actual real-life former federal agent who enforced immigration law to discuss the enforcement of immigration laws. It's all kabuki theater. And again, I remind you I'm registered as a Democrat. It's infuriating and sickening to me.
0: These issues
1: concern no less
0: than national security, public safety, and public health. These are serious issues. Ellis Island was a quarantine station to prevent an epidemic like the one we're suffering now. And the epidemic originated outside the United States and was brought into the United States probably through an international airport, which is why I always make the point that we're a nation of 50 border states, any state with an international airport, as well as any state that has access who are um, 95,000 miles of coastline or lie along our northern or southern borders. are all border states. So the president invoked this law that the Republicans and Democrats wanted to gut. They wanted to change this law that has been on the books since 1952 and perhaps earlier and make it so that the president couldn't do this without the state department going to Congress and telling Congress we want to shut down the border and Congress would have to vote on it. Lots of luck. Lots of luck. The president has the authority. If he believes that the presence of any alien or class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, uh, if, if their presence in the country would be, quote, detrimental to the interests of the United States. Jimmy Carter used that section of law when Iran seized our embassy. Obama used that section of law. It was okay. President Trump says we're not going to let terrorists in. And we want to be careful not to let an alien to have a dangerous disease because there's an epidemic brewing in China. Oh, my God, the president is a racist, xenophobe bigot and a nativist. Well, if by nativist, you mean that you look after for your own citizens first and sign me up. Sign me up. Families take care of their children before they give money to charity. You don't give money to charity if your own kids are going to bed hungry at night. Nativist. Wow. But it was the president who first said, we've got a problem. And in fact, a couple of weeks after that, china uh, the Chinese New Year was about to be celebrated in New York, and Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio, D-U-H, de Blasio came out. These are people who aid immigration law enforcement. We have a sanctuary city, sanctuary state. Cuomo refers to immigration agents as thugs, brilliant. Immigration agents are the second largest contingent of federal law enforcement assigned from the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Because every terrorist
1: from another country who comes to America violates multiple sections of the immigration laws. So do human traffickers. So do drug smugglers. So do members of transnational gangs. Why would you not want to enforce the laws that could protect us against those individuals? Which gets us to another point. We've known for the longest time that biological warfare is a threat. We saw... Chemical warfare in the First World War, with the use by Germany of mustard gas. The UN uh, ultimately, first I guess, it was the League of Nations, then the UN outlawed such things as crimes against humanity. Doesn't stop the thugs and the dictatorships and the tyrants. Did a van, you all, filled it with explosives and drove it into the garage
0: of the World Trade Center and set it off. They killed six, injured over a thousand people, inflicted a half billion in damages and damn near brought the tower down sideways, motor vehicle. But don't let that interfere with New York State, New York City, California, and all these wackaloon cities who take the money to protect themselves against terrorism but then operate in in defiance, in direct opposition to the findings or recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. Last year, New York State
1: and Governor Cuomo had a news conference and talked about all this great money he got from the federal government, from this administration, $230 million for counterterrorism. Now, I, I want to know a very simple thing. You have Schiff and you have Pelosi calling for an investigation, similar to the 9-11 Commission investigation. And I, I like that idea. I actually said it this to some friends a couple of days ago. You know, I provided testimony to the commission. So, so here is, is my, my point. Rather than worrying about... What the administration is doing. I mean, it's Congress that gave him the money for stupid, irrelevant stuff. The Kennedy Center, illegal aliens, all this other nonsense. But they want to make sure he doesn't misspend the money. I guess they want to make sure that the Kennedy Center gets the money. Insanity. What has it got to do with the coronavirus? What does it have to do with procuring? More equipment and more supplies that we need to treat people who are sick, to do the research to get us a cure, to get us a vaccine. Irrelevant nonsense. But as Ram Emanuel said, never waste a catastrophe or a crisis. Well, here we go. But here's what I want the investigation to focus on: Where the hell is the money that the states got? What the hell did they buy? Apparently, Cuomo turned down an offer by companies to sell them respirators just a year or two ago we don't need no respirators we don't need no stinking respirators badges we don't need no badges respirators what for i want to know where the hell the money went he's going now to the federal government saying oh i need respirators they're not giving me what i want by the way in the middle of all that his embarrassment it turned out that he had a whole bunch of respirators in a warehouse in new jersey and nobody even knew it you want to talk about non-feasants, and malfeasants, welcome to New York State. I want to know what Cuomo does with our taxes. We are the highest tax state in the country. You know, it's not that he has to go to the federal government for money. He has tolls and taxes and all kinds of fees. What happened to the money? What happened to the money? Show me the money or show me the receipts. Where is the money? What the hell did you do with it? If you're supposed to be prepared for terror attacks and you know that bioterrorism is a real possibility,
0: think back right after 9-11 we had the anthrax situation where envelopes were being mailed to post offices in Congress containing mysterious white powder. And at least in one case, as I recall, it turned out to be anthrax. We know this is a threat. This isn't science fiction. What equipment did he buy to the state of New York to protect the residents of the state of New York Against that possibility, what did the other governors do? Where's their money? What did they do with those funds? Was every single penny spent on terrorism? Or was it squandered on statues and buildings and monuments and bullshit? Pardon my French, I can't keep a simple tongue. Where's the money? See, that's where the investigation needs to be. You were given all this money, in the case of New York State, it's been billions of dollars because they get those damn checks every damn year. What did you do with the money? Why don't you have those respirators? Why don't you have those face masks? Why don't you have those gowns? What did you do with the money? I'd love the answer to that question. Boy, would I love the answer to that question. Every American should be demanding an answer to that damn question. The federal government has been writing you a check every goddamn year since the towers came down. What did you do with it? Where is it? Why didn't you buy those respirators? Interesting question, isn't it? But let's go beyond. A lot of politicians want to see comprehensive immigration reform. I've spoken about it on this program before I'm going to speak about it again comprehensive reform. Everyone thinks, oh, we're going to take 11 million aliens here and we'll give them green cards. No big deal. Big, big, big damn deal. Number one, the number is probably closer to 30 or 40 million. In fact, uh, Princeton and I believe it was Yale and MIT have done studies and they estimate there's at least twice as many illegal aliens here as the lying politicians. who give the redundancy as the lying politicians claim. Both parties, by the way. Last year, Democrats and Republicans, they never work together. Well, guess what? They voted for at least three terrible immigration bills, terrible for America, terrible for Americans. And it sailed through without so much of the hearing, under the radar. Boom, stealth mode. Let's con the American people. That's what they do in Washington. And for the record, it's not a swamp. Swamps are part of the environment, and it's essential to the ecosystem. critters live in
1: swamps. Washington, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, is a cesspool. It is artificial, and I promise you, there is absolutely nothing good to be found in a cesspool. So they got together, voted those three bills, it zipped through. Nobody knows. No, Don't ask, don't tell. Both parties, don't tell me it's a left-right issue. Bull. But comprehensive would not only legalize potentially 30 or 40 million aliens, and some of them might not even be here. There's no way to interview any of them. There's absolutely no way to conduct any field investigations. The 9-11 Commission warned about immigration fraud and visa fraud. That was the topic of my very first hearing three and a half years before the attacks of 9-11, back on May 20th, 1997, because everybody knew that that's where the danger was. In fact, it was four and a half years before 9-11. Everyone knew that that's the risk. You give people green cards, you give them visas, they lie, they conceal terrorist backgrounds, they conceal their identities, and they attack us. The 19 hijackers from 9-11 in the aggregate used more than 360 false names and variations of false names, including driver's licenses, from states that made it easy to get a driver's license. They literally traveled around the country trying to figure out what state would be stupid enough to give them licenses. Think about that. But what you're not hearing from the liars or the media, they're not honest either, is that under the law, if we legalize those 30 or 40 or whatever the number is, million people, they would immediately, the same day they get the magic card, have an absolute right, no question, it will be in the law to bring in each and every single one of their children, period, if they were under the age of 21. Third world families have big families. Third world countries have big families typically. Eight, nine, ten kids. Not unusual. I've seen enough immigration files. Twelve kids. Sometimes you have a guy who's involved with two different women. Three different women. God knows. He could bring in each and every one of his kids that he had with however many women. I'm going to be an optimist. Some of these people maybe never had children. Some of these people perhaps already brought them here. So I'm going to lowball this one. Let's say each alien who gets legalized averages out to bringing in two children each. I think that's a ridiculously low number. But let's
0: be optimistic so that nobody says I'm exaggerating. So let's say we have 30 million illegal aliens, and they each bring to America within a year two children. You do the math. 60 million school-age kids flooding into our schools, most won't speak English, most likely the congressional budget office, and of course 20 to 40% more to educate children who can't speak read or write English. What would happen to the educational system in towns across America? What would that do to American children? So the wealthy could send their kids to private schools, well, they're okay. And that's why the politicians don't give a rat's ass. But the average American and people living in poverty, they have to go to the local schools which would probably wind up with three times as many kids as they now have. How many kids per classroom? How will they hire the teachers? Where will they get the classrooms? How will they buy the supplies? God knows. We would have an absolute guaranteed catastrophe on our hands. Money for kids with learning disabilities goes out the money, all the money goes out the window and all the money will go for English as a second language. And all of these children would have to have medical care. You see those lines of people waiting... To be tested and be treated because of the coronavirus, we're talking about an increase in our population of at least one third, one third. Because not only would the newly legalized aliens be able to bring in their children, but their spouses. If we're talking about 30 million, you do the math. We're looking at well over 100 million new lawful immigrants. We have 100. We have about 300 something million. Citizens right now, residents and citizens, and we add to this well over 100 million. How in the world do we deal with that onslaught, that explosion in population? Nobody ever talks about those children or the spouses who would immediately be legally entitled, entitled to directly come to the United States, period. Full stop. You think it's a disaster now? Imagine if we had passed comprehensive immigration reform. She'd cut the baby in half because that's what she's doing to the United States. That's what Schiff is doing to the United States. The Democrats are following the lead of the Republicans who started this notion of importing cheap labor to increase corporate profits. And then they found more benefit in it by destroying the middle class and pushing everybody to the left. They're looking to seize permanent power over our government because at the rate we're going, purchasing power for Americans is out the window for the most part. And the more people you bring in, the more expensive housing becomes. But at the same time, the more people you bring in, the lower the wages are. So you wind up with ever more people who are unemployed and they're only hope for housing. is from government subsidies. And the Democratic Party is the party of the subsidy. And the Republicans are so damn greedy, they don't care what happens as long as they get their money before they bail out of Congress. Think of those members of Congress from both parties who are being investigated now for insider trading because of the coronavirus. And where does this leave Americans? Who stands up for the average American? There's a couple of good guys. I'm very impressed with Senator Cotton. There's a few others. I think they're trying to do the right thing but the majority of those members of Congress did just like that mother so-called who was willing to cut the baby in half. They're willing to divide our country up into little pieces as long as they get their helping of whatever is left over. God help us all. They need to be voted out of office. You know, we used to use mechanical voting machines that used to pull a little lever. When I voted, I looked at some of those names on that thing, and I voted against them. I felt as though I was pulling the lever on on, on a toilet, flushing bad news down the drain. It has to stop at some point.
1: But in the middle of all this, President Trump has enlisted the military to go after the Venezuelan drug cartels. And this is really interesting because I've been speaking about this for the longest time. But now it turns out that former Venezuelan President Maduro and his vice president, um, by the way, whose parents come from the Middle East. His mother is from Lebanon. The father is from Syria. Vice President, there's a $10 million price on his head. Anybody who can turn him over to our authorities and it leads to a conviction would get $10 million. These are major players. They're being charged with using narcotics as a weapon against the United States, working in conjunction with the Colombian terrorist group known as FARC, F-A-R-C, using drugs as a weapon, taking the money, from the proceeds and funding Hezbollah and all these other terrible groups. And, in fact, if you've been following the news, President Trump was saying that they had intelligence that Iran was thinking of, of going after our military in Iraq and launching a sneak attack using their proxies. Hezbollah, Hamas, God knows. And he warned them and said, look, we know what you're doing, and if you do it, you'll pay one hell of a price. But the money that Iran uses to build up those terrorist groups comes directly from the drug trade this was the topic of a number of congressional hearings and yet you have members of congress that have been opposed to a border wall forever and the arguments they use are as spacious as they come specious as they come oh it's a wall of hate you don't want to allow mexicans into the united states a border wall folks believe it or not would not stop the entry of a single person yeah i'm serious you're probably thinking what's we're talking about well the purpose of a border wall is not to stop anyone from entering the country. Did you know that? Go to the bank. Remember the velvet rope? The border wall is a lot like the velvet rope. It guides you to the next teller. The border wall was simply there to make certain that nobody comes into the country without going through a port of entry. If the goal was to keep Mexicans and other people from the south out of the country, they would – put those walls across the ports of entry, but they don't. The border wall ends at the port of entry. So you want to come to America, you have to go through a port of entry. You have to come through our front door. We want to make sure you don't sneak in through the bedroom window at 3 in the
0: morning. That's all it's about.
1: The wall is
0: designed to make certain that everyone and everything that enters the country is inspected and that a record is created of its entry or their entry. That's it. Not to stop commerce, not to stop travel, just to make certain that everybody is vetted and that a record of entry is created for everyone who comes here. Is that bigotry? Try to walk into an office building without showing ID? It's called trespassing. And while we're talking about trespassing, Chuck Schumer a couple of years ago proposed a federal law that would make trespassing a critical infrastructure or national landmarks, a federal felony with a five-year penalty. Five-year prison sentence. And he said trespassing is dangerous. And he even, in his official website, talked about a 16-year-old boy who climbed the tower of the New World Trade Center as it was under construction to take a selfie. And he said, I don't care if you're an adrenaline junkie or a criminal. Trespassing is dangerous, and anyone who do this needs to go to jail to deter others from doing something that dangerous and that stupid. He's right. But isn't running the border trespassing on America? The Schumer flip around and say, "Oh, but when you run the border and you come into America by trespassing, now you've earned citizenship." How does that help America and Americans? That's the question I keep coming back to. We don't have enough resources to care for Americans in those hospitals. But you know what's remarkable? The same states that are sanctuary, like New Jersey, will not permit New Yorkers, for example go to New Jersey to be tested for the coronavirus. If you go to be tested, you have to bring official identity document. can't be undocumented. Of course, if you're an undocumented immigrant, quote, unquote, a.k.a. an illegal alien and the state of New Jersey, because they're corrupt and stupid, gave you an ID, well, that ID is okay. But just don't go to New Jersey with a New York license and say, I want to be tested. In fact, don't go anywhere right now, because I'll probably – Pull you over. In some states, they'll arrest you if you get in your car and go anywhere. But if you go to New Jersey before they put in that travel ban, the real travel ban, and said, I want to be tested, you would have to show ID, and then they have to examine you to see that you have a symptom because the testing materials are in short supply. And it wouldn't even be enough that you're from New Jersey, but you would have to show that you're from the town in which the testing was being conducted. They have borders in New Jersey. I'm thinking
1: of writing a new article and calling it the Hudson River is the
0: new Rio Grande.
1: There are some states that are turning away cars with out-of-state license plates. Oh, you're not from the state. You don't belong here. Oops. But when an inspector at the airport says we can't let you in because you have a criminal history, or ICE says we want to deport criminals, oh, borders, we don't need those thinking borders. Stop and think about the madness. I can't go to New Jersey with a New York ID and get medical testing to see if I have a potentially fatal disease, but the state of New Jersey is a sanctuary where illegal aliens are concerned. Can someone please explain this to me because this leaves my head spinning like a top? Try to reconcile that contradiction. It doesn't work. It does not work. The politicians have a lot of explaining to do. I used to watch I Love Lucy and Ricky Ricardo used to say to Lucy when he got angry, you've got lots of explaining to do. Well, they do have lots of explaining to do. How in the world does the state of New York get hundreds of millions of dollars year in, year out since 9-11 and not have a stockpile of vital supplies to protect residents against a bio-attack? And just two years ago he refused to buy more respirators, he refused to buy more ventilators. Why? He needs to be questioned. There ought to be a congressional hearing. These once the dust settles, if there's gonna be a hearing, Schiff wants a hearing, he wants an investigation, by God, let's do a thorough investigation. You know, Tip O'Neill, the former Democrat speaker in the House, used to say that all politics is local. Well I'm here to tell you so is all Law enforcement, local. On September 11, 2001, the United States of America was attacked. But at the end of the day, that attack resulted in the destruction of a building complex in my hometown. My neighbors were killed. The ashes landed on my house. The Pentagon was hit. An airplane came down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, brought down apparently by the passengers who didn't want that plane to be used as a, if you want to call it, um, cruise missile. With human beings on board They took the plane out of the sky And then a few years We were in the same BS We're fighting
0: them, the terrorists over there So we don't have to fight them over here And what was the Patriot Act about Why are we almost strip searched To get on airplanes If we're not fighting them over here Where's the World Trade Center located Where was Shanksville, Pennsylvania In what country Where's the Pentagon in what country What do you mean we're fighting them over there So we don't fight them here We've been fighting them over there and over here. And part of that war is to protect us against biological weapons.
1: Biological warfare, or you could have a pandemic purely because of a biological process that has nothing to do with man. Again, with China, the jury's out. But here's the question. Did you know that if the sun had a major solar eruption, something known as a coronal mass ejection. It's kind of like a solar flare on steroids. It could cause the same sort of damage to result to the grid. An EMP could wipe out electricity. It's believed, by the way, that a major solar flare brought on the blackout of New York City of many years ago. It's a danger. You would think we'd be prepared for it. Newt Gingrich has been calling for us to be prepared to stockpile, there's that word again, generators and transformers in case it happened so we could get up and running. We don't have any. You could build Faraday cages around um, electric distribution centers, around transformers. So if there is an electromagnetic pulse, it would protect and shield the, uh, the electronics from frying. We haven't done that either. It seems like in government, the idea of crisis management is you wait for the crisis and then you try but ineptly to manage it. At
0: some point, some leaders, some adults need to step up to the plate and say, look, lifeboats are a pain in the neck. We don't like them. They're ugly. They take up space on the deck. But if there is a catastrophe, they can keep us alive. And finally, I want to talk about my article for Front Page Magazine. I see I have about 10 minutes left. I hope everybody after my program will go to frontpagemag.com and check out the article about how we are now in the, in the PC era, the post-coronavirus era. There was a doctor, as I mentioned, a chairman over in the um, um, Harvard University who was arrested by the FBI and what he was charged with was taking lots of money from the Chinese government, working with them, but believe it or not, not reporting it and the government, and the universities have not been reporting money either. And and, and therein lies the real problem. So when this guy was, um, was arrested, the guy's name, by the way, was Dr. Charles Lieber. Let me let me read this to you. In fact, when you go to the article, you'll be able to read this as well. And I want you to share this with people because universities seem to be a hotbed for dissension. Look, I'm, I'm a firm believer that college campuses should be the home to active debates on all sorts of topics. Alan Dershowitz is someone I have tremendous respect for. In fact, I, I heard Alan Dershowitz speak at a memorial service for the Holocaust with my late wife. She died 34 years ago. Her parents were in the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp, so every year they got tickets to go to the memorial service for the Holocaust, and Dershowitz spoke. Brilliant guy. And he's made an interesting point. He said that um, college campuses should be, you should feel safe on a college campus from physical harm. And you look at Antifa and the violence. But he said ideas should never be safe from challenge on a campus. And you look at all the dissension, and you look at Antifa, and you look at all this anti-American sentiment, and then you look at the fact that, according to the Department of Education, at least $6 billion B, six billion over the last few years were pumped in to universities such as Harvard and MIT and, uh, and others. Uh, let's see, University of Boulder, Colorado, the University of Texas, MD Anderson Cancer Center. Massachusetts Institute of Technology, University of Chicago, University of Pennsylvania, Boston University, Texas A&M University, and Carnegie Mellon University
1: reported uh, approximately $3.6 billion in previously unreported foreign gifts. This is mind-boggling. Why do you think those countries are putting money into American universities to help educate American children? No, they are buying influence on those campuses. What influence? They're altering the curriculum. They're deciding who joins the faculty and what is taught. And China is very concerned about how the world views it. But we all know what China is it's a totalitarian dictatorship. The elite has basically just assigned themselves uh, the title of rulers for life. <laughs> They're in forever. Putin did something very similar in Russia. China is an adversary of the United States. They refused to allow 3M, which has a factory in China, to send masks back to the United States. China said, no, you're not getting those masks. The funny thing is, I was on an airplane a number of years ago, perhaps a dozen years ago, flying to California or flying home from California where I gave a speech. I was sitting next to this very well-dressed young lady. Just got her uh, graduate degree, I believe, in either international finance or international government relations, some such topic. And she said to me, we talked about China. Oh, China's a trade partner. They would never do anything against us, really. China is determined to rule the world. I hope if she's out there and watching this, she'll remember that conversation we had on that flight. I said China could easily keep us from getting anything and everything that we want all by the stroke of a pen. If they go into Taiwan and want to take control of Taiwan, they're in the position to tell our president, you can say what you want, but if you act to block us, we will embargo all of your supplies. Well, it wasn't them going into Taiwan, but the coronavirus, and they told 3M, you will not send those masks back to the United States. Never mind, you're an American company, you're on our land, and we won't allow it. This is crazy. The great majority of our antibiotics and painkillers come from China, and they threaten to stop the flow of antibiotics. If you wonder why President Trump is low-key in talking about the Chinese, it's because he has us over a barrel. Because you have corporations that care more about the bottom line than they
0: do about America or innocent lives. This needs to change. We must never, ever again allow America to be in the position where we are dependent on other governments for life-saving materials. This is insane. By the way, just so you know, on this coming Sunday evening, shortly after 8.30 p.m. East Coast time, I'm going to be on a program hosted by Rabbi Arie Spiro, an old friend of mine, Um, And he's going to be on radio station CRN1. And I have a little sheet here. Um, You can uh, listen in by going to Amazon Echo or Google Home and asking to play CRN1 on TuneIn Radio. CRN1, TuneIn Radio. I'll be on with him for, I guess, about 10 minutes or so. Uh, It should be interesting. We've known each other forever a great spiritual leader and a good friend, and so I'm happy to be on his program this coming Sunday. But we've got to be involved, folks. We have to have these conversations with our neighbors. We're being intimidated, and it's costing us dearly. For decades, we've known that drugs have been pouring into America, and finally, this president is trying to stop those drugs, and he's enlisting the aid of the military. I don't know if you saw the news conference, but it was impressive. The Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff made it abundantly clear that any drug runners that think they're going to smuggle drugs into the United States, up the East Coast, or the West Coast, or by any other means, that they're going to get away with it, they will not. It is clear that the U.S. military is determined to interdict them at any and all costs. Those drugs are a threat to national security. The proceeds from the drugs fund terrorism, And how many American lives have been lost to drugs? 70,000 people died of opiate overdoses last year. How many children are homeless because their parents got hooked on drugs? How many children are homeless because their parents have been incarcerated or died of overdoses? How many children themselves have gotten hooked on drugs because we've developed a drug culture in this country? Our enemies are having a field day with us. We don't have to like Donald Trump but think about what the issues are and consider what alternatives we have in terms of statements being made by the other politicians. Joe Biden says he wants to go to the World Health Organization for help with the coronavirus.
1: The World Health Organization said that if people stop people from China from traveling to their countries, it would be an act of racism. The World Health Organization is the lapdog for the Chinese regime. Let's call it what it is. Lives are at stake. People are dying, even as I'm speaking to you right now. They're losing their lives to a pandemic, and the magnitude of this pandemic would have been much smaller if only China had told the truth. These aren't victimless crimes. and Every life lost is precious and irreplaceable. I know some people are worried about the U.S. economy, and I have my concerns also. But my biggest concern, folks human life, human life. We are certainly a country of finite resources. That point has never been driven home more forcefully or clearly than it has been within the past couple of weeks. When we try to over.